You are listening to Fellowship Around the Table. All right, welcome back to the weekly chat. It's another week. I am your host again, Heath Casey, and I have my old pal here, Scott Johnson. You bet. Just having a blast talking about the book of Job. In the prior episodes, I'd encourage anybody jumping in this week to go back and get the context as we walk through the whole story. And now we're just kind of highlighting some of these great nuggets that God has shown you over the years. And one of those is the concept of a redeemer or mediator between man and specifically Job here and God. Could you comment on that, Scott? Job, one of the most beautiful things in the book is that Job imagines the role of a redeemer well, I mean, this is many, many, many hundreds, almost certainly thousands of years before the arrival of Jesus Christ. And I won't give too many, but for example, in Job chapter nine thirty-three, this is at a moment that he wishes there was one, but he mm. doesn't believe that there actually is. He mm. says, nor is there an arbiter between us, he's speaking between him and God, okay. who might lay his hand on us both. So he's wishing for someone who might take that role but not believing that that person really is there. But then you get to 1925, which is one of the most often quoted passages from the book of Job. And he says, as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and that as the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. And that is, by the way, one of the very few sort of nods at the idea that there might be something after this life. Mm. Because generally in this book, Job appears by every account I can see to believe that when, when his life is over, it's extinguished. There is no more existence. Anyway, those are two examples of that. And it's great to see the idea of a Redeemer in the book. Okay. Scott, I think you have some guess who's and guess who's for me. I do. I want want to turn the tables here. I appreciate you. That's perfect to tee it up that (laughs) way. So first of all, guess who's never mentioned in the book despite his pivotal role after chapter two? I had to, I just left blank air on a podcast. I was like a. That's a, okay. A, that, Let's let me go on because I, I'll ask <laughs> okay, another question. Okay. Okay. Guess whose name is never uttered by any human character in the book? And okay. Before you jump to answer that, guess whose possible involvement is never considered by anyone in the book? So let's. I'll add one more guess. Okay. Guess who has a pivotal role and yet God doesn't blame, point any fingers, or even mention him? I think I know the answer. What do you think it is? I think it's Satan. Spot on. But. He just pulled me along there that I'm like, whoa. This is an amazing thing about this book to me. The human characters on the face of the earth appear to have no concept, appear to not be aware of the existence or even the possibility of the existence of Satan. He's never mentioned. There's no nod to him. Everybody talks only about God. And at the end, one of my favorite things is like Satan did all this terrible stuff to Job. And when Job wants the answers, if I was God, I would have said, Job, you got the wrong man. He did it, right? (laughs) Satan did it. I didn't do all this stuff to you. Satan did it all to you. God has such self-confidence. I I can't even describe it with words (laughs) that that we can understand. I mean, the great I am, right, which is just a transcendent statement. All God needs is to be in our presence, and we get it. And this Mm. is exactly what happened to Job. He just understood. He didn't have any more questions. God has no need to deflect the blame. He has no need to say, it's not my fault, it's his fault. He doesn't do anything like that. Satan has such a critical role in the book 
and yet after chapter 2, the book is devoid of any mention of his name. And on top of that, you want to guess who gets the blame for everything that happens to Job all throughout the book by the human characters? Job? No, wait. He does. Okay. It, it's attributed to his sin. Yeah. But God is always named as his afflictor. Oh. Right? So Job is like, your arrows are in me, or the sovereign is afflicting me. And Job's friends are basically saying, this is God's judgment on you yeah. for what you've done. So yes, it's caused by, right? The origin of it is Job's great sin, which we know he doesn't really have. Yeah. But even Job, who knows that, all of them believe that God is afflicting Job. Yeah. God set up the rules. You violated them. That's right. This He's, is this is your your fault. It's your it's your your just God's just doing what he said he would do. That's exactly right. <laughs> so not only is Satan not mentioned, but everybody in the book believes God is punishing Job. And this is why mm. with Job having that same theology, the fact that he doesn't turn from God is all the more significant because he absolutely believes God is doing all these things to him, yet he simply will not turn from God. Scott how did you get all of this out of this book without a seminary degree, without pouring through volumes and volumes of commentaries? I'm going to answer that with a statement and a question. <laughs> okay. So I would say again, Heath, I just feel like God – I would say he impresses things on me. I don't know how else to describe it, but – I'll be reading something, and I could literally be in my office at home looking at these things. I could be thinking about it in the car. That one day I mm. described it was a Saturday morning. I was processing how Job didn't have any more questions. I mean, tears are just running down my mm. face thinking about the gravity of that and what that meant about God. And so I would say I think God just – he gives me gifts all the time of these aha moments. Sometimes there are a ton of bricks. Sometimes it's like a light bulb. Sometimes it's all the above. And the other thing I would say is there's a statement I can't quote exactly, but you've said it to me before, something about humble hum observation. Tell, say that. Uh, yeah. I think God's word makes it clear that it's able to be understood yes. with the help of the spirit. Obviously yep. that's the illuminator that Jesus said he was sending help of the spirit, humble effort, in ordinary means. Yeah. I would say that's what this is. It's just a lot of that. Yeah. It's a lot of that over a long I, period I, of time. He's, he is a rewarder. And I think a lot of that reward is further, further, further illumination yes. of who he is. No question. And I, I would even say this, Heath, like when I teach, no matter where I'm teaching here, Africa or wherever, I, I tell people – you know, guess how many seminary degrees I have? Well, it's zero. Yeah. Guess how many foreign languages I know? It's zero. The the bad news is <laughs> you have someone teaching you who doesn't have any seminary degrees and doesn't know any foreign languages. The good news is you have someone teaching you who doesn't have any more tools at their disposal than you have. Yeah. Like everybody I'm teaching can see the yeah. same stuff. I never want someone to take my word for anything. I yeah. want to show them where it is in the book, whatever book I'm teaching, whatever topic I'm teaching. I want to show them where it is and let them see it and, and have that aha moment for themselves. Mm. All right. There's two big things I still want to cover with you in this book. And yep. there's some things about Job and the book of Job that make you crazy. Yep. And then there's the one we've been teasing all along, and that right. is Mrs. Mrs. Job. Job yep. Can I ask which one you would want to tackle first? I think we should do Mrs. Job as okay. its own episode okay. because it's going to take longer to unfold that. So let me tell you some More things. More teasers. Yes. Or, yeah, I'm getting good at this teasing You thing. are. I, you're getting to be a real professional. <laughs> uh, 
uh, I shouldn't have said it that way. You're already a professional. You're even getting more and more professional all the time. How's I'm act- that? I'm That's actually – I did not get a podcast degree. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Perfect. So I would say there are things that people say about the book or mm. claim that make me crazy. Not things in the book, but things that people misuse okay. in the book. So one of them is in chapter one – the author tells us that, that Job's kids loved to get together and have a party. They would feast yep. and they would eat and they would they would have fellowship together. Yep. And that Job, each time they were done, Job would give an offering for the kids. And it says he gave the offering because he thought to himself, maybe one of them has cursed God in their heart. Mm. So two things will be said about that that make me nuts. I've read people that say, obviously, Job's kids were no good because he had to give sacrifices for them all the time. Okay, that is patently absurd because the text tells us he gave the sacrifices just in case they cursed God in their heart. That tells us there was no outward manifestation that they were rebellious or they had turned from God. Job was doing it just in case they'd had a thought that he didn't know about that he couldn't know. In the wrong direction with God. Can I make a a comment on that? That comment is Job's friends. Yes. They must have done something wrong. They must have sinned for that to have come upon them. That's right. And they say that to Job, by the way. We didn't even get into that. (laughs) But more than once, they say if your children sinned, they were given over to the punishment for their wickedness. Yeah. Yeah. And that, mm. that, that really had to hurt when Job heard that. So that's one. What, what else drives you crazy? So I, I've read people that'll say Job brought on all these things because he was worried too much. So these people aren't saying the kids were bad. Okay. They're saying that the fact that he gave sacrifices just in, just case, in case, he was over worrying that. And so his lack of faith, his, his over worry okay. brought the, the punishment on or – in chapter 3, verse 25, toward the end of, you know, when he says, I wish I was dead, chapter 3, verse 20 says, he says, the thing I dreaded has come upon me. So those same people will say, well, he worried about these things too much. He brought it on himself. Okay, this this really does make me crazy because God says to Satan in chapter 2, he says, have you considered my servant Job, blameless, upright, uh, fears God, shuns evil, no one on like him. And then he says, he maintains his integrity even though you incited me to ruin him without cause. Ugh. God himself has said without cause. There is no cause. There's no Job sin. There's no somebody else's sin. There's no natural disaster. This only has to do with the glory of God at the end of the day. Mm. It's all part of God's plan to help us understand some things and to help point us to him. And the idea that Job brought this on himself by overwearing his patent nonsense. Okay. So that makes me crazy. I, I, this is like a fun segment that I mm-hmm. feel like I need on this podcast with some like classic radio show, DJ, yeah. sound effects. Scott Johnson, what else <laughs> makes you crazy? And I need another blood pressure pill. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number three, Scott Johnson, uh, what makes uh, you crazy? Th- this is understand- more understandable, I think, but the feeling that Job is just too sad or depressing to read. It's very common. I do get that, but there's so much... There's so much value in this book that the idea of throwing it out because it just makes me personally sad, I think I think the people that feel that way are really foregoing a huge blessing mm. out of reading this book. 
I really do. Uh, something else is that uh, people cannot process the end of the book. They're not okay with God doing yeah. all this. Yep. And and they cannot like really and and I do understand this too. They're like I can't I can't get over that God put Job through all this. Mm -hmm. My answer to that is we reading the book thousands of years later have no more right to be angry with God than the person who went through it. Hmm. So Job was the object of all this trouble. Job is the one who went through it. We have no right to be more angry with God than Job was with God at the end of the book, and he wasn't. Instead, he said, I spoke of things too wonderful for me to know. I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. We have no more right to hold God accountable for what happened to Job than Job did as the man who lived through it. And we should take his response and say, you know what? Mm. That has to be good enough for mm. us. So that's another one. Scott Johnson, what else makes you crazy? Some people think Job is archaic, irrelevant. It's hard to understand. And yeah, I get, I get that it's hard to understand. But speaking of being irrelevant, it refutes the current sort of health, wealth, and prosperity theology because Job – had that, and it worked for him for a long time, and all of a sudden he didn't have it anymore. Hmm. And he didn't have it anymore with God's knowledge and consent and permission given to Satan. And so the idea that we can make a demand on God by having enough faith or claiming it or living uprightly or whatever, we're in no position to demand anything of God or from God. And so that whole that whole idea is refuted in this book. And the idea of ignoring the fact that it refutes that is is a problem for me. And one more thing I would give you is the idea of, of quoting from the book of Job. Yeah. Anytime you see a quote that someone <laughs> is suggesting should apply to your life and it's from the book of Job, yeah. you need to look up the reference and see who's speaking. Mm. Now, the friends offer a lot of a lot of good theology, but again, it's not they're wrong in the in their application of it. And there's also just a lot of wrong stuff that's said in the book. So, I mean, it's like saying you could quote out of Genesis, Satan saying, you will not surely die. Well, you could quote that out of the Bible too, yeah. but it's wrong. Yeah. And so in this book, maybe as much as any book, before you take a quote out of the book or you read somebody else's quote of the book, you better know who was talking. Hmm. That's so good. Well, I've heard you comment on on why Job was kept in the dark about so much. Can you explain that for the yeah, audience? Yeah, so this is, this is something I love to try to illustrate. Let's suppose, Heath, that you're Job. Okay. And God comes to you and he says, Job, okay. I got a deal for you. Mm. There's going to actually be a book of the Holy Scriptures written about your life, and it's going to be named after you. It's going to be what? named Job. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, it's probably correctly pronounced Job. Oh, yeah. Job. Yeah, they didn't have a hard J. They didn't have the hard J. But we'll, <laughs> we'll go with Job. So, Job, this is going to be a great thing. People are going to read this account for mm -hmm. thousands of years okay. after you're not even on the earth anymore. I, that's now, amazing. That sounds great. Let's go for it. Okay. Now, there's a couple things you should know about. A little fine print okay. going on here. Okay. One is uh, you're going to lose all your livestock. Uh, They're either going to be destroyed or carted off by raiders. Mm. And now nice. the second point is, I'm not done yet, so just oh, okay, give me a second okay, here. Okay. The second point is all your kids that you have right now are going to be killed all at one time. Say what? But this, and we're not quite there, so <laughs> wait, let, me, wait, let me finish. What? Then also you're going to lose all your health. Like you're going to be in such terrible physical affliction, you're going to wish you were dead. 
Mm. But you're not going to be dead. That's quite the fine print. It is. And there's a little bit more. <laughs> oh, no. You're going to be ostracized by everybody that you think you can count on in your in your community. And billions of people are going to read this about me? Over time, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but at the end, uh, we're going to have a conversation, and then uh, you're going to be restored. You're going to get twice the livestock back. You're not going to get the original 10 kids, but you're going to get 10 more kids of the same gender as you had right now. Hmm. So what do you think? How's that sound? <laughs> and by the way, this is all happening because you're my best guy. You're my number one guy. Oh, is that, that's, is that in it the is. fine print too? That's in the fine print too, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think? You up for this? <laughs> no. No. You know what I think I would have said if I was Job? God, who's number two? <laughs> because just go to the next guy on the list. I'm not up for that. I, let's, I, I'm out. I'm out. Oh, but that said, yep. you're confident today that Job is what? I'm confident that he is happy with how everything turned out. Yeah. He would not have signed up for it knowing yeah. what was coming going in. Yeah. But now having met God, and of course I'm confident now he's in God's presence, mm -hmm. I'm confident that he wouldn't trade any of this now that he understands how it all fits and how he has been used in so many people's lives. Yeah. I think that's true for all of us. I think that's right. None of us would sign up for certain things that have happened in our lives. That's right. Yeah. Scott, I know a lot of people, I don't know about a lot, but I guess that point, is Job a real person? Is this just a story to help us understand suffering and evil, or is this is this real? Did this I, happen? I'm confident that it really happened. Okay. And I'm confident of that because in Ezekiel, he is, he is referred to as a real person. And now I'm going from memory here. Ezekiel refers to three people. I think the other two are Noah and Daniel. Mm -hmm. I'd have to go back and double check that. But he refers to three people. He definitely refers to Daniel. Okay. And so the other two, uh, we don't even question whether or not they're real people. Right. So Job is in there with those three. So mm -hmm. there's no good reason to imagine that he wouldn't have been real. And then James 5.11 actually is kind of where the words patience of Job comes from. Because oh. you know about Job's patience. Okay. And so he definitely refers refers to Job as a real person. I'm confident Job is real. I will tell you, there's a really good friend of mine who went through the class a few years ago, and he came to me afterwards and he said, do you think Job was a real person? And I said, well, I do. And he said, Scott, I've never thought he was a real person. Mm. And I said, so you think, I like to tell people when I get to heaven, I'm going to get in Job's line first. Like he's the one that I want to meet because I want to I want to see if I really understand him as well as I think yeah, I do. I think that's your second line, but go, keep going. It, it is because Jesus <laughs> Jesus will be first. Well, I think who, that's who, your third line. Who then. are you thinking, Mrs. Mrs. Job? Yeah, so, <laughs> but I'm thinking they're together. Oh, that, that's why fair I enough, say he's fair my enough. first line. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm thinking they're going to be together up there. So anyway, he, he, we both got a good laugh out of it because I said, "So you think I'm going to get there and ask where Job is?" And the angels are going to go, "Scott, he's not real." Mm. And I'm confident that's not the case. Yeah. I'm confident that he's a real person. That's who God's interested in. That's real right. People. He's real people. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I love about the way you help people see this book and walk through it is that you have spent so much time getting to know the people in yeah. this book. Why do you feel so strongly about the people in this book? I would say because they, they feel like friends to me. Yeah. Like I think his friends are unfairly maligned. Yeah. They do say terrible, awful things to him. I've never done that. Right, exactly. Neither have I, I'm sure. <laughs> Except if you ask all the other people I've said to, they might have a different version of that. But I think we see so clearly that his friends yearned 
for him to be restored. Mm -hmm. They couldn't have been more wrong, but their intentions were so honorable. And I think, I think when we hold them in judgment, we're sitting in the place of God. We would do well not to hold them in judgment because we should be that good of friends and that committed. So I feel like I understand them. I feel like I understand Job. I feel like I know him. He's very real, feels like a friend to me. And I absolutely feel like I understand his wife, and she's very real to me, which mm. we'll talk about. So yeah. that's why I feel so strongly about those people. I, I feel They're just very real and very personal to me. Well, we are going to tease along that we're going to talk about Mrs. Job next. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, share your quip about your plans for when you get to heaven. We, we kind of joked about it. But. Yeah, I kind of hinted at this. But, yeah. like, you know, we all, we all imagine, or at least I imagine heaven – being a little bit like Disneyland, not with the attractions, but in the idea that there's different people that we want to meet. So we want to meet Moses, and we yeah. want to meet Noah and Daniel and James and Peter. And the John. writer of Hebrews for me. That's right. That's yeah. right. If we finally figure out who that is, right? <laughs> and so I picture it like we're going to get in line, and there's going to be a sign where we get in line. It's going to say, from this point, your wait will be one million years, <laughs> right? Because the line for Moses and – Hopefully we could just get a cue. And are not... so long, right? It's going to be so long. That's it's hilarious. not going to seem like a million years because we're talking to interesting people and we're in the presence oh, of God. That's, that's but I'm great. I'm going for Job's line because I figured it might be only like 500 years long because <laughs> he's not as well-known. He's not as popular. But I just feel so much like I know him, and I can Uh, just – and I'm sure heaven doesn't work that way, and I'm sure it will be completely different than that. But in my mind's eye, I want to say to him, and I want to say to his wife, I feel like I know you. Do I know you as well as I think I know you? Do I understand you the way that I I think I've come to understand you? That's beautiful. Yeah. All right. I'm really looking forward to that. Finally, next week. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Job. Mrs. Job. Are you ready? I'm I'm ready right now. Looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. Thank you all for being with us. I'm sure you're having as much fun as we are. And we will see you next week when we tackle Mrs. Job. Thanks for joining Fellowship Around the Table. To check out more, visit fbctulsa.org.